Welcome to Money Talks, a series of interviews with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. In this episode, I talk to Steve Hardiman, CEO of Cleveland Fasteners. Based in Sutton Coalfield in the West Midlands, the company specialises in the manufacture of cold form components for use in commercial and automotive markets worldwide. Formed in 1939 to supply the aircraft industry, Cleveland Fasteners specialises in bespoke production, with components heat-treated or plated to any commercially available finish. In this wide-ranging interview, Steve Hardman describes how the company has managed through lockdown and his vision for the future of both Cleveland Fasteners and, more broadly, UK manufacturing. Steve, what would you say to those people who say the UK isn't a world-class manufacturer? Well, um, I've been in manufacturing for many, many years, and uh, for many years, manufacturing has been looked down on, I think, by um, various political parties of all all colours. I think, from memory, there's about 2.7 million people involved in manufacturing, uh, 48% of, our, manuf- of uh, our exports are from manufacturing. The average salary in manufacturing is about 32,500. It's a it's, lot higher than the average. It's a good business, it's a good thing to be in, but it's not promoted very well. Um, a lot of uh, political parties have sort of shied away from manufacturing because it's in the, in the too difficult uh, box, in my opinion. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we have this rather cold attitude towards manufacturing across our political and media class? And I agree with you. I think the attitude is definitely there. I, th- I think it's because uh, service industries are a lot easier. Um, you know, uh, basically, manufacturing takes uh, investment. It takes a lot of hard work um, and it takes training. Uh, I'm not saying for one minute that uh, the service industry doesn't, doesn't require that, but it's a lot easier and uh, there's a lot of investors that are very, very short term in terms of trying to get returns. And manufacturing is a more long term uh, investment. So people like in Germany, they uh, invest enormously in manufacturing and it's the reason that their turnover is, or their uh, GDP is very high in manufacturing. We don't have very high figures in manufacturing in the UK. So basically, I think it's in the too difficult box. You know, we, we export all over the world. I mean, one of the things which always amazes me about manufacturing is uh, I think there's 280,000 uh, companies that manufacture in the UK. Of those, certainly in 2019, the figure, I think, was about 35,000 of them export. We make rivets. Uh, they're basically, in terms of technology, probably one up from a nail. Uh, you know, if we can export, anybody can export. And I don't understand why people are so frightened to, to export. Uh, it's a big world out there. One of our biggest export markets up until recently uh, was the Far East. And that's like selling coals to Newcastle. Well, you know, if we can do it, anybody can do it. A lot of people will be surprised. You know, you you deliberately modest guy, you're downplaying what is a very successful business, a business that you took over and own and operate there in Sutton Coalfield. You are one of the world's leading makers of 
of particular industrial fasteners and rivets and so on. Uh, how can you make that pay here in the UK when the Chinese, the Taiwanese, the Vietnamese are doing the same thing? Quite simple, Liam. Really good people. We've got a fantastic workforce. Uh, 32 people in proper jobs uh, that have been with us for a very, very long time. In the last 30, 30 odd years that I've been involved, I think 10 people have left our company of their own volition and of those six have come back. So, you know, we've got some really, really good people who, uh, when you cut them, it says cleaved and fasteners through them. They, they work very, very hard. Um, and oddly, uh, the pandemic has been quite an eye-opener for us. In what our, way? That's interesting. Yeah, our, um, basically our performance has just gone through the roof. Um, in terms of our productivity, it's gone up by 37% during the pandemic. Wow. And how do you, how do you explain that? It's, we've been in business a long time and we've had lots of people come through the door explaining to us about teamwork and about how you get more productivity out of your, out of your employees. We've listened and our productivity stayed pretty much the same. And then the pandemic hit. And basically, we had to change what we do. And what we did was a bit outrageous. Some of our people had to leave, unfortunately, uh, but we don't have um, a production manager. We don't have an ops manager. The guys on the shop floor determine what's going on what machines. Uh, that has reduced our headcounts. And um, in pre-pandemic, we were producing 24 million pieces a month. Uh, we're now producing 32 million pieces a month. With a smaller workforce? With a smaller workforce. So basically uh, your shop floor workers have yep. stepped up yep. and become yep. middle managers. Yes, but, but an odd thing, we did something again, which is counterintuitive. We went to four days instead of working five days. We used to work five days on overtime weekends. Mm. We went to four days, four 10 hour days, very, very much more productive. The only overtime we run now is on a Friday to, to sort of when we have to mop, mop stuff up. But the, the other thing that's happened is for some reason, and I think it's mainly to do with a lot of our product being in construction, our order book has just gone through the roof, absolutely through the roof. So We should explain governments yeah. around the world are using infrastructure spending, they're promoting construction of housing and buildings in order to kickstart their economies post-pandemic. We're seeing that across the Western yep. world, across the Asian economies too. And you're benefiting from that big infrastructure build globally. Absolutely. But we're at the coal face. And so we're, we're, we're just humble rivet manufacturers. And basically, we've looked at it and we've tried to work out why this has happened. And the, the main reason is there are, two, there are two main drivers as far as we're concerned. I understand exactly what you're saying about, you know, what governments have done. Um, as a manufacturer, uh, I think if you look for governments to help you out, you're basically going to be very, very disappointed. So uh, the reason for the, the great increase in our turnover is, uh, firstly, um, in the construction area, it's uh, because a lot of people didn't go on holiday, so they've all put double glazing in, they've yeah. all had refurbished the houses, yeah. and construction has 
benefited from that. And they need your fasteners they need, they, for all those components. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, if you've got double glazing and you, you go and look at your hinges, if ever you want to go and look at your hinges in double glazing, you'll find our, our rivets are in there. So we, we supply uh, uh, the window hinge businesses all over the world. We supply India, we supply China, we supply the, obviously the UK. So that's the first thing. But the second thing from a fastener point of view is because of the pandemic, we've had a problem with supply chains and particularly with the transport of uh, goods from China to the UK. Pre-pandemic, if you were going to buy a container from uh, China, £800 for a full container load, we were quoted $12,500 recently. Now, the key thing about that is, and what a lot, again, and I know you're an economist, uh, and I'm afraid economists tend to be lagging rather than looking forward. Couldn't agree more. That's and why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we had a, the um, uh, stuff that we buy in from China, and we've got to deal with our workforce. We only buy stuff in from China that we can't turn a buck on in the UK. Yeah. So they know all about it. And it's not very much that we buy, but when we do buy it, we buy in a container load. A full container load might be 60 grand's worth of goods, mm. 12,500 quid on top of that. For the container, for the transport Just itself. for the transport. It just destroys the, the transaction. The, absolutely. Everything's not worth and it. And so consequently, a lot of people who were very happy buying everything from Taiwan are now knocking on our door and saying, can you... You so you're actually it? benefiting from the supply chain Absolutely. issues because without it, without it, you are part of the trend, Stephen, of Cleveland Fasteners is part of the trend of what's called onshoring. Reshoring. Yeah. 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 Get it. Absolutely. Make it in We've the UK. We've been going global for years, yep. but what the pandemic's done, because it's emphasised distance and the logistical issues of worldwide transportation, people have been sourcing components more locally. That's right. And if they want their rivets, if they want their fasteners that makes you even more attractive to anyone who needs yep. that stuff in Western Europe compared to the Chinese. Indeed, you know, it, if people want stuff and, we're, and they've given us the order, we're just down the road. But aren't you going to then lose all of that business so, when the global economy reboots and yep. these supply chains start to operate more smoothly? Yep. We can stop thinking about supply chains because they're just there. Yeah, yeah. I think the pandemic has changed a lot of things. And one of the things that it has changed is I don't think we'll ever go back to uh, the uh, supply chains that we had. Uh, and the reason for that uh, are manifold. But one of them is the fact that people have suddenly realised, you know what, if I can't get it on a boat, my factory stops. I need to have something yeah. that, that I can get. It might not all come back, Liam, but some of it will come back, Be certainly. Because the pandemic has emphasised yeah. to entrepreneurs and other people that need to buy yeah. inputs the insecurity that they were working under, sure. that the supply may stop because yep. it's on the other yep. side of the world. Uh, Better to have a bloke in Sutton Coalfield. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, me and my FD, uh, Charles Hopkins, who... Your finance director. Yeah, we, we, who we bought into the business sort of uh, in 2000. You know, we, we look very, very carefully at what causes... What's the causation of things, and particularly with regard to... Um, our order book and so on and so forth. And these are the things that we're finding are, are, are the reasons. Now, I know back in 2000, when you bought the business, it was all going swimmingly. Then 9-11 happened. Yeah. Global aerospace industry went into you know, lockdown, effectively, for yeah. quite a long time. Planes yeah. 
weren't allowed to fly and so on. At that time, I think a third yeah. of your order book was the aerospace industry. Absolutely. That we, must have been a, we just, a frightening experience well, for it, it sort of you just bought into the company. Yeah, it makes you, makes you think twice about your house, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we, we, were in, we were in dire straits. We just bought in. A third of the turnover disappears. My um, uh, export manager at the time said, look, if we're going to go down, let's go down fighting. So we went to our first ever, first ever exhibition. You really thought the business might fold? We, 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 we'd taken on a lot of debt. Yeah. We got, and we've got to service this debt somehow. Uh, so basically, we, um, we, we went to our first exhibition, uh, which was Auto Mechanica in Germany. And for years, we'd been told how rubbish UK manufacturers were, how bad we were at doing things, that our quality was rubbish, whether it was Labour, whether it's Conservative, I'm not, I'm not making a party political point. Everybody said, UK manufacturing, rubbish. We went to this exhibition. We had queues of people on the stand because they'd never seen a fastener manufacturer from the UK. And from that exhibition, we not only recovered the 300K, but a lot more. Uh, and also, we went from zero exporting to 38 countries worldwide. So, and a lot of the people who came to see us were from the uh, accession companies, the European accession companies. Yeah, for East countries. European. Eastern European, yeah. uh, Poland and um, uh, Czechoslovakia and places like and that. back then they'd just joined the EU, hadn't they? Yep. And, 2003. And the great thing about them was they believe in the UK manufacturers because they believe in Britain and trust. And they came, I can show you I can show you um, invoices that I've got from companies in China where the local manufacturers are a fifth of our price and they're buying them from us and shipping them from the UK to China. And there's only one reason for that, and that's UK quality and the fact that you can trust UK business. It's as simple as that. And people, and again, I'm not making a party political point, you know, you hear about... Uh, in many years ago, Red Robbo and how rubbish... So we, these were trade union yeah. leaders of the yeah, 70s. Yeah, of the 70s who... When we were kids, we'd sit, watch the news yeah, and right. the likes of British Leyland. Yeah, yeah. World-class car brands yeah, were yeah. being destroyed by destroyed. the trade unions. Absolutely destroyed. But along with that, it all gave manufacturing a bad name. And from that, we've never recovered. And, you know, you never pick up a, um, a newspaper and say, you know, here's a good news story... Um, apart from perhaps the Gigafactory that's recently been uh, put in Sunderland, you know, here's a good manufacturing story. I'm very pleased to say that your uh, that uh, GB News uh, cho choose to actually promote good news stories and uh, particularly in manufacturing, but very few other outlets do. And from that point of view, people think, uh, particularly youngsters coming into the into uh, manufacturing. Perhaps it's not for me, you know, perhaps, perhaps the, all of this negativity is right. It's not. It's the best kind of, best kind of business in the world. And when everybody went, uh, went to services, uh, we know how well that ended in 2008. So, you know, when somebody thought it was a good idea to start selling subprime mortgages. So you, you've got to be a bit careful. You need a balance in your, in your economy and the government really needs to step up and uh, start understanding manufacturing because they clearly don't at the moment.
We're the fifth biggest economy in the world here yep. in the UK, but we're only the tenth biggest manufacturer, Steve. It sounds to me as if you want that to alter, yep. that you want us to become a bigger manufacturer. So what are the things we need to do as an industrial class, as a political media class, it, as ordinary workers, if we want that to come yeah. about? A lot of manufacturing companies, Liam, going into 2022, not knowing whether they're going to survive it. You've got this very well hackneyed phrase, a perfect storm, but it's a storm that's got, that, that has been caused by the pandemic, but people think, oh, it's all to do with the pandemic. The, the, the pandemic is the, uh, is, is the thing we should be focusing on. The number of companies going into 2022 with massive cash problems is just unbelievable. They've had C-bills loans, they've got to pay those back. They used to be able to rely on the emergency yep, assistance the, 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 the government gave. Yes, the, the emergency the pandemic, loans yeah. again, but you have to pay them back. Yeah. Uh, time to pay has finished with uh, HMRC. Um, you've, you'd also got furlough, so people could sort of pick and choose when people were actually in work. That's gone. And what the government has missed, and what the economists have missed, sorry and particularly uh, the Bank of England, who have told us that uh, I think they, they're predicting 6% growth next year. That's right. Yeah, upon which all of our public finances are predicated. Exactly right. Telling you here, man, it ain't going to happen. It really isn't going to happen. And the main reason for that is the chip shortage. And the chip Semiconductors. Semiconductors. Yeah. Last week, uh, I know it's in Japan, but Toyota had to close two, li two lines. Uh, Jaguar Land Rover, having all sorts of problems. So the tier one manufacturers, they've lost furlough. They're, they're having to pay back all the C-bills loans. Their uh, schedules, which is what the whole production plan is based on, disappear from one day to the next. So they've got, they've got no consistency. You know, this famous thing from Brexit about, you know, oh, we want, we want certainty. There is no certainty, and these companies are massive companies, and you've got nothing to um, uh, protect them going forward. Now, one of the things that bigger companies have to pay into, we don't have to pay into because we're a small company, is um, the um, apprentice scheme. There's two billion pounds sitting, sitting in a pot somewhere for the apprentice scheme. That could be used to help out these com companies. I'm not saying bring furlough back because Richie won't do that, but I think there are things that they've got to do targeted specifically for the automotive industry that's really got to be done. And in this perfect storm, Steve, you didn't mention energy prices. Energy. Mm. Corporates, yeah. they don't have the energy price cap that households have. Even no. with the price cap, of course, household bills have gone up enormously yep. and they're going to go up again in April. Yep. Sorry, but it's true. Yep. But corporate bills must have gone up even more. A absolutely. We were lucky. We'd just done a three-year deal uh, with a 20% increase. Clever lads. And that was, that was <laughs> a year ago. So, we, you know, we're, we're OK for a bit. But as you say, lots of people are being hit. And, of course... That's again feeding into the problems that we've got with inflation. If you're a manufacturer going into 2022, there are some serious issues coming forward. And if you're sitting in the Treasury thinking that 6% uh, growth is going to happen next year, when your main manufacturing output, which is 
the automotive industry is going to help you out. It ain't going to happen. Let me ask you a final question, Steve, if I may. Yeah. If you had just a minute with the Prime Minister, what would you say to him in terms of trying to convince him that British manufacturing is doing well and could do much better? What I'd say to him is, um, given the pandemic and the way UK manufacturing has responded, which nobody ever speaks about, social distancing, all the rest of it, the UK manufacturing base, despite the way it's been treated, is still alive and kicking. And basically, all it needs is a little bit of TLC from the government. Governments can't do specific things for, for, it, for companies. They can set an agenda for how uh, groups of companies can be helped. And really, he needs to get on that because, uh, as I say, we're going to have a serious problem with our balance of payments going into um, 2022. And what's at the top of the agenda, according to Steve Hardiman? Is it government assistance on tax, on training and, and, and uh, uh, skill shortages, on uh, assistance with exports? Where, where is the real pinch point for you? All, all of the above, but immediately cash. Help businesses out with regard to cash. Convert the C-bills loans into the ability to invest rather than it just being on your balance sheet as a cost. Make it something that you can invest in. Tax breaks. Tax breaks, uh, all sorts of... Uh, there are some very good suggestions that have been put forward by a number of people. Maybe schedules to pay uh, tax over I mean, a longer period of time. It, it, it can go... At the moment, it can go to 5 to 10. Why not go to 20? You know, help businesses out, because if these big manufacturing companies go, the people who are employed obviously earn reasonable amounts of money and therefore pay a lot of tax. You're not going to get the tax either. The Treasury really need to get on the case with this. Steve Hardiman, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks a lot for joining us Thank here you. on Money Talks. Thanks for inviting me. Cheers. Thanks a lot for listening to Money Talks with me, Liam Halligan, Economics and Business Editor of GB News. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube or wherever you're listening. Do subscribe to this podcast and also check out my daily television show, On The Money, at 1pm Monday to Friday on GB News or via the GB News app. GB News, Britain's news channel.